Good morning, church. Good to see you guys. I've been enjoying our time together. Um, do you sense God's presence? You know, wherever God is honored, wherever he's lifted up, worshipped, there's like a redemptive lift that happens in the atmosphere. We've been talking, singing about the blessing. Part of that is joy, which is our next series, Joyful, for the next four weeks. I'm going to be looking at the book of Philippians. When I was five years old, I was standing in the living room of my house, and my mom was crying. And I went up to her, and my mom, what's, okay? what's wrong? Are you okay? And she's like, oh, no. <laughs> she read the, the, the concern in my expression. She goes, no, 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 it's okay. She goes, I'm crying because I'm happy. I'm like, what? You know, as a little five-year-old male, <laughs> I just drew a blank. I didn't know what she meant. How could she be crying and happy? It would be 15 years later before I had a similar experience. And so fast forward, I'm 20 years old. And at this point in my life, I, I'm not churched. And I don't believe in the Bible. And I'm not even sure there is a God. But people have been talking to me about God. You know, I later learned that uh, one of the results of being filled with the Spirit is actively witnessing about God and His presence. And so there was something about these Spirit-filled Christians that puzzled me. You know, I'd look at them and I'd think, you know, something about them can't quite put my finger on it. There's something different. It was just a tiny little detail. It was a quality in their eyes. And I would dial in and I would look and I'd go, what is that? It's some kind of like a healthiness, like a joy, like a light. And I was just really intrigued. I was like, there's something there. So during that season, that year, I met Don. Don was a, a campus missionary at the University of Guam. And he talked to me about what the Bible says about how to have a personal relationship with God. And he led me in a salvation prayer. And although I said the prayer, that idea that you could have a personal relationship with God, that idea was foreign to me. Because I thought God was distant and uninvolved. And so two days later, I'm in my bedroom, and I'm thinking to myself, really? Is it possible to have a personal relationship with God? And so just out of curiosity, just as an experiment, I said, God, if you're real, I want to know. And so moments later, I got up, I'm washing my face in the sink, and I look up in the mirror, and God, knowing that that quality I'd noticed in these other Christians was a thing for me, he used that as a sign to give me an indicator that he was in my life. I looked in the mirror and I saw that same quality in my own eyes. And that revelation of his presence in my life, it just blew me away. I just unraveled, I broke, and I just burst into tears of joy. In that moment, there, just like a flood of joy was released that I had not known. It was life-changing. You know, joy is really good, isn't it? I mean, you ever notice how when you're having a good time, time just flies? You ever notice when you're happy, it seems like you have more energy? Joy is life-giving. It's life-giving. Would you like some? Yeah. Or would you like more? Yeah. How can that happen, especially when life is hard? Is it possible to have joy even in suffering? The Apostle Paul reveals the secret in his letter to the Philippians. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence and thank you for your word. And I pray that you would illumine our minds and that you would reveal things of your kingdom, things of reality that we have yet to experience. We ask you to be the teacher. We ask, Lord, that you would allow us to enter into the fullness of all that you have for us, in the fullness of the blessing that you have for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we'll get into the word in a minute. Um, Philippians. We're going to do a four-week series, one chapter each week. Philippi was in modern-day Greece. Think about that out there in Europe. Philippi is one of the many places where Paul was used by God to start a little community of people who followed Jesus. Paul's letter to this church is rich with revelation about life in God's kingdom, especially in chapter 2. More on that next week. In Paul's day, Philippi was a Roman colony. Over the centuries, it was a military base for whoever the superpower was at the time. And so during Paul's day, that superpower was Rome. Later, it would become a military base for the Byzantine Empire and then the Ottoman Empire. The remnants of all this history is still there today, and I have a picture to show you. At the top of this photo, you see a castle-looking structure. Uh, back in the day, that would have been something like our Anderson Air Force Base. So you can imagine the political issues, the economy, the diversity of people, all these dynamics were very similar to what we have here on Guam. At various times, they too were talking about the military buildup. It's interesting, we have a lot in common. They had the Romans, the Byzantines, the Ottomans, we had the Spanish, the Japanese, the United States. Wars are terrible things. Philippi had a similar history. And so when you read Philippians, imagine the Apostle Paul is talking to us, and he's wanting to encourage us to still have joy even when life is difficult. And he shares about how he suffered, and yet he was able to have joy. And so we pick up the story in chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 12. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to the spread of the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in change because of Christ. He's in prison. He's in Rome. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach out of Christ, about Christ, with pure motives. They preach because they love me for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But it doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached. And so either way, I rejoice, and I continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ 
as I have been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. To paraphrase, Paul is in prison, and instead of screaming injustice, he says, I'm rejoicing. (laughs) Because something more important is happening. People are getting saved. People are experiencing God's forgiveness. People are getting healed. People are finding their true identity. And most importantly, people are receiving eternal life. This was Paul's mentality. This was Paul's priority. You know, it takes a radical perspective to be in prison and, let, and yet not let that be your focus. Now, keep in mind, Paul had been taken up into heaven, so he had an eternal perspective that is difficult to match. But even if that's not our experience, there's something about helping others that puts our struggles in perspective. You ever notice when you help other people, it seems like your struggles aren't that big a deal? When you help others, when you're part of what God's doing in their lives, when you actively participate in something other than yourself, it brings joy. There's a satisfaction. And the reason is because we were never intended to live for ourselves. God says in Isaiah 43, 7, you're my people whom I have created for my glory. When you align yourselves with God and follow him, we automatically enter into our purpose. We automatically enter into our destiny. When we synchronize our mind and our heart and our behavior with God, the result is everything comes together. It's like there's a joy. There's a satisfaction. So God's purpose. He desires to seek and save the lost. And so when you align yourself with him and you tell others about what God has done in your life, then you enter into that harmony with God's plan for you. There's satisfaction and joy in the fellowship, in the harmony with him. The Apostle John said it this way. He said, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy what? Complete. Complete. Paul was aligned with the purpose of God. And so Paul's purpose was to proclaim the gospel. And so as long as that was happening, Paul was happy. His main purpose, his main priority wasn't whether or not he had a comfortable mattress. His main purpose was the kingdom of God. We have joy when we participate in God's purpose to bless people. If someone asked you, what is the gospel? Do you know what you would say? Do you have a well-thought-out definition? If you have a camera, I invite you to take a picture of this next slide, and I encourage you to even memorize it. This is one of the clearest explanations of the gospel um, that you can find. This was written by Rice Brooks. Uh, He is one of the co-founders of Every Nation. And he said, The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God, offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness to everyone who repents and believes. When we participate in God's purpose, there is joy. Secondly, so purpose is one. Secondly, there is joy in purity. You notice how you feel good when you're clean? 
We've, we don't feel good when we're unclean. Did you know sickness is caused by one of two things? By the way, I'm speaking both physically and spiritually. Sickness is caused by either one of two things, just two. If you boil it down to simplest terms, and, and you can apply this to both physical and spiritual health, it's caused by just two things. Sickness is caused by either you have too much of something or you have too little of something. Healing is restoring your balance to God's original design. When God purifies, he's restoring you to your original design. Sometimes detox is hard, right? Even if it's just sugar, maybe caffeine, the headaches, the sugar drops, I'm irritable, I'm in a bad mood. It's hard. The same is true spiritually. Sanctification is the process of elimination. I borrowed that from Brother Josh. God is, yeah, give him a hand. He likes to do like Christian rap. That was one of his phrases. I said, can I borrow that? That's cool. Sanctification, the process of elimination. <laughs> you see, God is preparing us as the bride of Christ to be spotless and blameless. Purity allows us to have a clear conscience. Purity allows us to have a healthier self-image. Purity allows us to remain in joy. Purity allows us to have confidence. So there's purpose and there's purity that helps us to maintain joy. Lastly, joy comes from God's presence. Galatians 5.22, Paul said, The fruit of the Spirit, or the result of the Spirit, is love and joy and peace. And so if we paraphrase, we could say the presence of God's Spirit results in love and joy and peace. You know, I began this message by telling the story of how God revealed his presence to me. And then I just, I burst into tears of joy because God revealed that he was present in my life. And you know, God is omnipresent. Uh, we all know he's everywhere. But we're not always aware of his presence. It takes a revelation to be aware of his presence. Because the truth is, all of us, to one degree or another, we're kind of asleep spiritually to the presence, the activity, the power of God. There's only one person who was fully awakened and fully aware. In God's grace, he awakens us little by little and allows us to experience him. And becoming aware of his presence brings joy. You know, when I experienced joy just right there in the beginning of my relationship with God, you know, I look back on that, and, I, and I'm just evaluating, looking at my life. It's interesting. I, just, I had this overwhelming sense of joy, but at that time in my life, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a girlfriend, much less a wife. I didn't have a house. I didn't have kids. I hardly had anything. I came to Guam with a suitcase. And yet I had all this joy because Jesus is enough. You know, I've realized over the years it doesn't matter how bad it gets. For me or people I'm helping in their relationship with God, the presence of God is enough. His presence is joy. Jesus is joy. So to review, joy comes from aligning ourselves with God's purpose. Joy comes from participating in the process of purity. And joy comes from his presence. And this week, 
as we go into this series, I want to invite you to read the book of Philippians. It's a, it's a short letter, just four chapters. They're not long, but it's rich and deep. And so read the book of Philippians, and I invite you to discuss some questions. I've put them up on the screen here. You can do that today at lunch, at Life Group this week, with your family, your friends, you know, wherever. But here's the questions. Reflect on your present situation, and how can or how is God using your situation to advance the gospel? Secondly, how can you find joy in spite of your present circumstances? And lastly, remember Paul was in prison. So look at your circumstances and ask yourself, what situation do I need God to come through for me? And meditate on Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. That's where Paul was saying that because of your prayers, I'm confident that God will deliver me from the situation that I'm in. You know, if you have that confidence, like Armin was saying, or like Elmore was saying, it's going to be okay. You can have joy in the midst of what appears to be a difficult situation. You know, as we, as we grasp, or as we try to grasp, you know, applying this in our own lives, over the years I've discovered that one of the difficulties that's very common for us to experience is unbelief. Unbelief. You know, we can hear about God's goodness, we can hear about joy, we can hear about the blessing, but sometimes there's a part of our heart that's just not fully convinced that God is good. Or if he is, I'm not sure that God would actually come through for me. Maybe he'll do it for others, but for me, sometimes there are doubts. And I want to encourage us to wrestle with those doubts. Those are real. Doubt is okay. Um, we don't want to pretend, you know, about the way life really is. There are struggles. But we should work through the doubt. We should allow God and his word and his presence to help us come through the doubt and come to a place of resolution where we're decided one way or another about something. The bad thing is if we stay in doubt. You know, everybody goes through doubt. But if you're still doubting about elementary things in the kingdom of God and 10 years has gone by, you know, we need to face some things and deal with them. And so I want to encourage you to work through unbelief. You know, I was, and it doesn't matter how long you've known the Lord. I was struggling with that just uh, two weeks ago. You know, I was listening to all the social media and all the news and all the current events, and I was getting upset inside. I was like, God, why do you allow all of this to happen? And I realized I was angry at God, and I was blaming him. And I was thinking about, how, how could you let all these things happen? And as I was sitting there in my anger, all of a sudden the Lord just kind of reminded me and revealed to me on a deeper level, we brought this on ourselves. Ever since the Garden of Eden and the choices we made not to follow what God said, we brought this on ourselves. I've done it to myself. We've done it as a community. We've done it as a nation, as the world. And I just began to repent and confess and say, God, forgive us for the situation that we got ourselves into. And, you know, sometimes we reason, well, God, you allowed it. You're sovereign. Why didn't you just prevent it? And, you know, 
Let's say I want to prevent us from experiencing difficulty. I love you. I want to protect you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lock all these doors and put chains and put boards over the windows and nobody can go out because I love you and I want to protect you. I don't want you to get hurt by going out there. Would that be love? No. That's not love. That's keeping you prisoner. You know, God could have made it so that you don't have any choice, but he wants a love relationship with us. And so he allows us to make choices so that we can go through the process of seeing how it's going to play out. Are we going to choose him in the long run? Yes, we stumble and fall, but will we get up again, get up again and continue to choose him? And so in that process, he's developing a love relationship with us and teaching us how to trust him and to work through the struggles. The good news is that despite our weakness, God gave up his position of privilege and glory, and he came down here to be one of us. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become, so that he could exchange it, that we might become the righteousness of God. Man, talk about a win-win situation, well, for us. That's such a blessing. He came... We talked about that definition of the gospel. He lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving he is the Son of God. It's as if he took sin and death and sickness and he wrestled it into the ground and then he came up and shook it off, victorious. You ever seen that movie, Tarzan, the animated version? Remember that fight scene where he's fighting the leopard? And the music and the drum beat's gone and the suspense is there and the leopard's getting close to him and he's got a knife standing next to this pit and the leopard jumps out of a tree and lands right on top of Tarzan and they both go down into the pit. And from the view of all the bystanders, all the gorillas that are watching this fight, it's like for a moment there's like, what happened? The fight is out of sight. They're down, underground. And they're like, is he Okay. And the suspense just builds. And then all of a sudden, you see the leopard coming up out of the pit, and you're like, oh no. But you realize in a moment that Tarzan is lifting him up because he's killed him. And he's there going, oh! And the whole crowd goes wild. You know, and that's a picture of the gospel. Jesus took death and sickness and sin, and he destroyed it. Paul is talking about suffering and he encourages us to keep the faith and trust God even through the difficulties. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that we have hope and joy and that we can trust you even through the difficulties. And Lord, you are using everything to work together for good to conform us in your image. And we thank you for the promise that you who began a good work in us will complete it until the day that we go and be with you. And so God, thank you for the victory, the freedom, and the blessing that we have in Jesus, who is our joy. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to invite you to take a moment to do some business with God. And just say, Lord, what is it that you're saying to me?
What is it that you want me to take away? What is it that you want me to do? And so if you would, just take a moment to be still. And just turn in your heart towards God and tune in and just seek him. And just continue to be with God while you're praying. I want to address another group of people who may be here today as you're listening to me talk about experiencing God. That's something that you've been thinking about lately. In fact, you sense that maybe God's been trying to get your attention. And so in your heart, you're, you're seeking. In your mind, you're thinking. And today you're here because you're searching. And if that describes you, and you would like to experience God for yourself, but you've never made a conscious choice, a formal decision to invite him into your life, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's real simple. It starts with your desire, and then expressing it to God, which is called prayer. And so what I'll do is I'll pray, and you can follow along. God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And I have a signal for that, which is if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if this describes you, if this is something you'd like to do, go ahead and look up at this time, and then in a moment, we'll pray together. Yes? Okay, great. I see you there. And here? Two of you. Great. Okay. Anybody else? If I skim by, raise your hand. I don't want to miss anybody. Anybody else? Here? Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, I sense you've been getting my attention lately. And so today I'm here and I'm making a choice to say yes, to open up, to invite you, to let you come into my life. Father, I ask you to forgive me for things I've done that have been hurtful to myself or others. And I thank you for Jesus and what he did for me, taking my place, forgiving me. And so I invite your spirit of forgiveness into mine. I invite you to come into my life and be with me. And so if you're praying this prayer, go ahead and take a moment between you and God right now, just to let him come in. This is the moment he's been waiting for. This is the beginning of a new adventure that will never end. God, thank you for getting my attention. Thank you for bringing me to this point. Thank you for coming into my life. I receive you. I receive your forgiveness. And I ask that you would give me a new start. Lord, I ask that you would show me a new way of living with you according to your ways, according to your word. 
and I ask that you would make me the kind of person that you designed me to be. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a hand. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do two things. Number one, tell a friend, the people that have been talking to you about the Lord. Chances are they made the same decision. We can learn together, grow together, better together. And secondly, we have a a little tool that will help you develop your relationship with God. It's a little booklet called One to One. And if you come on over to this table, some lovely people will get you connected. Sound good? All right, God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Elevated, cause you make me move And I'm right